gonna intimidate me. I'm entitled to my opinion. From the galactic controversy. What are you passionate about? What do you want? That's your opinion in your life. Well, welcome to the Entitled Opinion podcast, Maurice. Usually, uh, it's Hunter and I doing it. However, he's on vacation, so it's just me stepping in. And I'm a little sleepy, so apologies if I'm not too sharp. But I'm excited to have you in, Maurice. I've known you for a while now. When did we meet up in Australia? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, thanks, Al, for having me on the podcast. Uh, and yeah, we met uh, in 2016, I think. Wow. Australia. I think, it, yeah, it was either 2016 or 2017. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Might be 2017. I think, see, so for me, 2016 is synonymous with Trump getting elected. And, yeah. and uh, so I think it was a year after that. Yeah, yeah. You're right, yeah. Yeah, a few months after, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a good time, and we could go into that at some point, perhaps. But now that I've got you on, one of the first questions that we always ask our guest is, what is your most controversial opinion? <laughs> My most controversial opinion? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a difficult one. Sorry, I'm putting I'm you not... on the spot. Sorry? I am putting you on the spot. I'm putting the spotlight oh, on you. Definitely. Definitely. So what, uh, is, what's, what is a, a thought that you have that brings you, say, a lot of emotion or uh, imagination, but isn't something that you've really talked about? Maybe something that you really want to talk about, but you just haven't had the venue for it yet. I'm not sure, but I uh, I always say that everything is about money. Everything is about money. Yes, for it's for money, not, not not for me, but uh, in in this world, every everything goes around money. Is it good, bad, neutral? Good, bad, or neutral? Yeah, everything about money. Mm, I think it's bad. So why is it bad that everything's about money? Uh, yeah, sometimes decisions are made just to, to, to earn money. Or sometimes, I think a lot of times, uh, decisions are made because of earning money and not because of the, the, the greater good for uh, people or animals or whatever. So there is an ethical conflict when people prioritize money over other things. Is that what you're saying? Well, what kind of things should people prioritize over money? Well, health. Okay. Uh, Environment. Like a good environment uh, to live in, for example. Well, I'm really glad that you brought up both health and environment, because those are the two things that I wanted to talk to you about today. So, in five minutes or less, could you give me sort of your philosophy on health? What does it mean to be healthy? How can people people be healthy? What are the fundamentals of it? 
Um, yeah, I think if you if you are healthy, you are someone who you you don't have any sickness or something, or or at least you can you can beat it if you have uh, if you have it. You are able to to move around freely, but not not have uh, yeah. Really, or at least you don't. Um, yeah, I'm not, not sure how to say. Um, for example, uh, you 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 have overweight. Yeah. yeah? And then uh, you are yeah. I can imagine. I don't have it, but I can imagine that you cannot move around yeah, like freely. Uh, you, you, you just suffer from from your overweight uh, gut, yeah. sugar, or um, yeah. I think I think that's, that's something. So being able to move around in the ways you want to move, being able to stop sickness. Why do you think that people prioritize money over health? Um, I think they, uh, they think uh, they can buy health with money. Mm. And they can't? Uh, maybe, but I don't think so. so sure, I, I'm pretty sure you can, you need, you need, you need money but, uh, to, to survive in the or, or to survive. To, to buy healthy food, of course, or to, mm. to live in a healthy environment. Yeah. Sometimes you have to give some money for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you need, sometimes you need money, but you cannot eat money. You cannot, uh, yeah. if, if you just look at the money, you, yeah, you have nothing, nothing. <laughs> Nothing really. Yeah. I mean, it's a sort of a old story that someone works really, really hard and they get a lot of money. Uh, and then at the end of their life, because they worked really hard, they don't have any friends and their health is really bad, but they have a lot of money and they don't know what to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, pivoting a little bit, Maurice, uh, you know, we Americans aren't always very well informed of all of the world events that are going on. Uh, and I was curious if you could tell me some of the current events that are happening in the Netherlands, in Northern Europe. What's the big news for you over there in the Netherlands right now? Well, I think uh, a hot topic is uh, climate change, of course. But on this, well, my a little bit of back, background. My parents live on a farm. You, you've been there, actually. Yeah. No? Uh, and now there are a lot of regulations around. And uh, I don't know the English word. Um, when cows shit, they produce some uh, it's, uh, methane. Yeah, methane, and we have an, a different word for it, 
but it's well, it's not good for the environment. Not good, not good for nature. Hydrocarbon. Yeah, it could be. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell me, uh, okay, what kinds of regulations are these? Well, uh, I think it was a year ago uh, that one of our uh, ministers dropped uh, yeah, dropped a map of the Netherlands where they said, okay, these farmers in these areas need to reduce their uh, cattle by uh, such an amount uh, to uh, increase the uh, or decrease the uh, like the the methane. Uh, What's the Dutch word? Uh, stikstof. <laughs> Is that like shit stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's like something like CO two. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah, but only a little bit different. So it's a greenhouse gas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I can find the yeah. I can find the translation. I'm willing to bet that it's methane. So, two of the biggest greenhouse gases, uh, gaseous hydrocarbons, are carbon dioxide and methane. And methane is a 23 times more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide which means that I think it retains solar energy 23 times more effectively than uh, carbon dioxide does. Yeah. All right. So we call it here, I, I believe the English word is nitrogen. Nitrogen. Yeah. So... Yeah. That's uh, what we... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the... the um, Methane gas, I cannot remember the chemical formula for it, but it's like, eh, well, you know what? Let's look it up real quick. I'm curious. Methane. So methane's chemical formula is carbon hydrogen four. So, so the stickstuff is not what I'm talking about. So this politician, he says, the cows are emitting too much stickstuff nitrogen. And, and and where do we go from there? Well, so they they, they, they made a map uh, mm -hmm. for, uh, yeah, for all farmers uh, in the Netherlands. You have to reduce uh, your emission uh, in stickstuff. Um, but by uh, if, yeah, if you are closer to it's it's a it's a protected area in the Netherlands, protected nature area. Okay. And if you are close to that, you you have to protect that that, that area. And um, uh, so, for example, my dad lives uh, farms in one of those areas, and he they said to him. You have to reduce your cattle by ninety-five percent. Yeah, my my dad milks a hundred cows at the moment, so that means that he uh, he was only allowed to milk five. If 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 that's 
if there's uh, not, yeah. That would destroy, that would destroy your family farm. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and the, the, this, this map it was not based on any really good, uh, I say, like if you do research, not, not, not they, they, they didn't do really good research on it. Right. So they just dropped the map. So this was a big bomb in the Netherlands. So all the farmers went uh, with their tractors, they went on the roads, they blocked the roads, they really, really got some attention. And yeah. So but there was something not, not good. So it's a big this, deal. Yeah, it is a pretty big deal. Yeah. I think uh, the most farmers had to, had to quit. <laughs> so what is the public mentality? What's the vibe? The citizens who aren't intimately connected with farming, what is the mindset in relation to this proposed regulation? Yeah. Well, when when this map got dropped, uh, there was a big there was a big gap between the uh, people who live in the city and the people who live not in the city. Um, so people in the city, they, they talk a lot about uh, like all these green, uh, green solutions for, uh, for things. Um, and yeah, they, they, they thought, all right, that's good. Uh, cows are bad. They, they have too much, too much emission. Uh, that's, that's really bad. So yeah, that's good. But Still, the most of the Netherlands, it's it's not a city. Right. Uh, a lot of people they didn't agree, so there was a yeah, there was a big gap between the city and the, the uh, rural areas. How long ago was this map proposed? How long ago was the tractor kind of uh, protest? I think it was about a year and a half. Okay. Yeah, a year and a half ago, uh, but it's uh, it, it's still going on. But now they changed a lot, and they they came up with with different different rules, different things, because uh, they realized it wasn't yeah, wasn't yeah wasn't intended really well. Yeah. So uh, after a lot of talking, they uh, had some new rules, but it's still still not still not good. So what kinds of new rules did they do instead? Well, we are now at the point that they that they made some uh, well, they call it, made some money free to buy out uh, farmers. So they yeah. So there are a lot of there are farmers they they are out of these models they they say this is farmer has too much too much emission so this is a farmer we need to buy out we have to buy that farmer out uh, so we can use um, uh, it's, it's all paperwork but uh, we can use the <laughs> they call it stikstofruimte. Um, it, it's it's on rights on emission 
you 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 can you can buy if yeah if they buy out the so when you say buy out, does that mean that they completely buy their farm or they pay them year after year a uh, salary or how does that work exactly? Uh, I don't know the details, but I think it's buy out the whole farm. Yeah. Okay. And then what happens with the land after that, the farm? Yeah. Nobody knows. It, did, it, did, it didn't really happen yet, but uh, you can imagine that, that people want yeah, want to buy the, the land to build houses on it, for example, uh, or yeah, make some more nature from it. Is, is housing much of an issue in the Netherlands? Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, and also because because it, it's an issue, uh, there are yeah, two less houses uh, at the moment. Mm. A lot of a lot of big projects are going on to build new new houses. Uh, but for these projects, you need some uh, you need the permits with a stickstuff with a yeah with a stickstuff. So a lot of projects are closed down as well because they produce too much. So, because the machines themselves, when they develop the land into new buildings, because they might be diesel or they might have uh, engines that produce bad emissions, yeah. is that why? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's engines, but also the material would need to be produced, and uh, yeah, they they need to bring the, the the stuff to the location as well. Transport. I mean, yeah. Uh, so all that, I, I think they they needed some sticks of rights. So, if there's um, not enough housing, I would imagine that rent in the Netherlands, almost anywhere you live, rent is pretty expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's uh, increasing a lot. How much has it increased for you? Um, yeah, well, I, I didn't rent for the last year because I was uh, in between houses. <laughs> mm. uh, but I think it's, yeah, it's increased by 200 euros a month during the last five years. Yeah, it's not insignificant. Um, what is, are, are there a lot more people coming to the Netherlands? Is the population growing a lot? Yeah. And it's not from, uh, people getting kids, uh, but it's from, uh, a migration. Okay. And where is the, where are primarily the immigrants coming from? Um, I think most of them come from. Uh, Eastern Europe or uh, like Syria. Mm -hmm. There was a there was a big war in in Syria, um, and a lot of people came from there as well. So, with these um, other cultures coming into the Netherlands, is that causing some conflict? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Do you yeah, see I, that? Sorry. No, I, I think it's not too bad yet, but I, I, yeah, you can see that it, yeah, yeah, 
that it causes some problems. Are the uh, other cultures that are moving into the Netherlands, are they trying to assimilate and become Dutch? Or does it seem like they're kind of trying to do their exact same culture from where they came from, or kind of a mix? Um, yeah, it's kind of a mix, because there are a lot of different uh, immigrants. So you have the immigrants from Eastern Europe, or the immigrants from Syria, or immigrants from Africa, or something. Um, and a lot of well, a lot of international students as well. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. They are they are studying here, of course. But they, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's different. So some some cultures they they like to gather and and keep their own own culture. But I think a lot of a lot of people try to get used to the Dutch culture culture as well, but still don't course don't want to get off their own culture. Right. Um, so try to find a good mix. Uh, yeah, sometimes it goes a bit slower and sometimes it can go really quick and they adjust really quick. Yeah. So you've got some more immigration. Part of it is fueled by the EU. Part of it is fueled by trying to provide asylum for refugees. And because you've got a lot of immigration, you've got an increase in population, you need more housing. But because the Netherlands isn't a very large country, because it's got a lot of regulation, not only because of emissions like nitrogen and carbon emissions, but also because I th perhaps because of um, the geography, because of how your country has been created over time. Um, it maybe it, it requires more regulation to build a building. Like if you just come here in Florida, you've got land and you can just put something on top of it. But because you guys created your land, it's not the same there. No, there's a lot of regulation. Yeah. So because of all this regulation, it's much more difficult to build new housing. And because there's not more housing being built, the rents are going up. So this sounds like, a stressor. It sounds like it's uh, has the potential to. It's increasing the cost of living, and it could create a lot of stress, especially for people on the lower end, the people who aren't earning as much money. And a lot of those people might be immigrants. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I I I'm teacher, uh, physical education teacher on the school, uh, and in this city. Uh, my 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 school is placed in the city, like in an area where a lot of immigrants live, or at least the the parents of the kids that I teach. Most parents they they come from another country. Wow, and, most of them. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, yeah, and most of them they speak another language, mostly Arabic uh, at home, and uh, outside home. And so you, those kids, those kids are all, yeah, they are born in the Netherlands, but mostly their parents are born somewhere else, or uh, their grandparents are born, born somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah, quite interesting. 
and and some some people yeah they live in really small houses with uh, a big family yeah so they, they have to share the, the room with uh, two older brothers right um you are currently living in amsterdam or back close to your family farm uh actually on my family family farm okay I, uh, i'm planning to travel to travel canada whatever else uh, in one month so i moved back to my parents so saving some money get myself ready so are you currently in the room that you grew up in no no, no, my, my parents, uh, no, the, the house where I grew up, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. Oh. My parents replaced the farm. Okay. Uh, the, the old farm doesn't exist anymore. Uh, this is not the, no, this is not the room that I grew up. <laughs> well, so what happened to your old family farm? Um, so my parents, they want, they wanted a bigger farm, uh, but Due to regulations, it wasn't possible on the on the spot where they where they lived, where I lived. Um, so there was another solution when they built a new farm, like 400 meters away from the old farm. Then it was allowed. But to do that, they they needed money and they sold a bit of ground uh, where where the old farm was. Uh, they sold that ground and they put houses on it. Uh, and from that money, they could build the farm like 400 meters away. <laughs> so not too far away. No, no, no. It's it's real close. What's the name of the town? Westgrafdijk. Easy, very easy, sweet. And uh, I'm really curious. I want to know a little bit about your biography because I I don't know your personal story of what it was like to grow up on a Dutch farm. So could you tell me a little bit about that? Could you tell me of any childhood memories you have? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so I grew up on a farm. And, um, when, I was also, when I was a younger kid, I always wanted to be a farmer like my dad. Uh, so I, I was yeah, outside a lot. And I was helping my dad with raising cows and feeding them and all kinds of little things I could do. Um, and I all also like to play outside. So we had a big area to play. And I was also out, always outside to play and picking a ball or something. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was pretty much my, my childhood. I was always outside playing or helping my dad. And then uh, I went to the high school, and then I realized that I didn't want to become a farmer, but uh, probably some teaching, which is sports. Uh, so I did less farming. I still I still helped a lot, and yeah, you know the, the farming work never stops. So it's Every day of the year, you have to be fair. So, um, yeah, that, that was that was all also where I grew up with, with that mentality. So I'm not afraid to work or get my hands dirty or something. 
Do you have any stories of when you were a boy uh, of getting into some kind of like trouble or doing something sneaky or cheeky? Like in in the uh, I think in the states you've always got like a story of like an old time story of some lady puts out a pie on her windowsill for the pie to cool, and then some little boys run and they steal the pie, kind of a thing. Do you have any stories like that? Well, in my area, you get it's really easy to uh, to have a boat, go around the boat. So we had a like a little rowing. We did it a lot. And, uh, one time I was with friends, and uh, they they were yeah they were naughty, and uh, they were yeah stealing sometimes stealing things. I know this one time we went on a on a yeah, land from another farmer, and we were kind of challenging cows over there. So at one point. All the cows started running after us. <laughs> quite small, and we, well, we just just made it into the boat, and they all start just stopped uh, just before the boat. We were we were saving boat, but it's boat. She never never done that. <laughs> pretty, That's uh, pretty, pretty sneaky, pretty cheeky. Um, I, I, I have a lot of affinity for the idea of growing up in the countryside and growing up on a farm and having, a, I guess, more of a traditional way of life. It's something that appeals to me. Um, so on your sort of day to day as a kid, wh what did it kind of look like? Um, well, of course, I went to school. I remember I had to go to school in the next village. So it was about three kilometers to the next village. Uh, so I always went by bike. So it was a quite road, not a lot of traffic. So I could bike pretty early and go to, to school. So every morning I went to school with my uh, with my brothers and sisters. So I have one one little sister and two little brothers, and we we biked to school and we went to school. And mostly after school, I stayed there with friends. And, you know, we played outside, and we got back. Uh, and after school, yeah, sometimes I need to help my dad with the farm. And other times I went to football training, soccer. And, and yeah. A lot of, yeah, always outside, always, yeah, always outside. <laughs> so why do you think your dad wanted to be a farmer? Mm, well, his dad, my grandpa, he was a farmer as well. Okay. And my grandpa's dad was a farmer as well. Okay. So, uh, I think it's a family thing. Family tradition. Yeah, yeah, and, and he, he has one older brother and two older sisters, so they didn't want to get into the farm, but so he did. I think he likes to work with the, with the animals and also taking care of the environment. 
Yeah, so he's he cares about the the land and the animals. He's not trying to cause any harm to the animals or the land. So is he is he a general kind of farmer or does he specialize in something? Yeah, well, uh, he he is an apple cows. He has a dairy farm, uh, but he is uh, called it biological. That's another word for it. Organic. Yes, organic. Yes. He's an organic farm. Wow. In and what I talked before in the, in the area. What do you think will happen to your family farm as uh, your dad gets older? Are, are any of you or your siblings going to take over the farm? Yes, probably my youngest brother. Okay. Uh, he's actually, what, as soon as he turned 18, uh, he was part of the company. Uh, yeah, so he and my dad and my mother, they on the, uh, the company, the farm. and he does a lot. I think he, I think he does more than my dad. Wow. Good for him. He's already. How old is he? Uh, he's 23. Wow. That's awesome. What's his name? David. David. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to David. Well, I mean, I call you Maurice, but it's like the correct correct pronunciation is is what Maurice. Mal is it? Do you is the R like more like a Spanish R or is it more like a French R? I don't know what Spanish. R. Like, is it like like yeah. the tip of the tongue? Yeah, it's like that. Okay, Maurice. And some people call you Mouse. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, let's see here. I've got a, a couple more questions for you, Maurice Mouse. Uh, have you ever... Actually, let's not get away from the topic that we're on right now, because it was one of the things that I wanted to ask you about the most. So, I know that Europe is at the forefront of the world movement to minimize greenhouse gases and um, has some of the most ecologically minded regulations and citizens of the world. I would say that probably there are more um, vegetarians and vegans in Europe as a percentage than the United States. I'm not entirely sure, but I would guess. Um, do you do you run into a lot of vegans? Do you know a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, when I was living in Amsterdam, uh, well, I'm still being in Amsterdam a lot. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of vegans or vegetarians. Yeah. And so... Yeah, also, also quite a few friends. So what kinds of conversations do you have with vegans when you come from a dairy farm and a family farm 
And a lot of vegans think that animals like cows are some of the worst reasons for both um, climate change and for animal mistreatment. Yeah. Well, uh, I can have some uh, interest, uh, interesting conversations with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they have, they have a, like a mindset about how, how they think it is. And I always, I always say that, yeah, you can, you can come and watch it. I think I think how it's done here from this forum, I think they do really, really well. Um, but of course, I know that are that there are big farms in the Netherlands. They're not they're not good for mm-hmm. they have a lot of emissions. Yeah. That, that's not that I agree that's not the right. So on that on that point I always agree. I, I don't agree that, that they should be meat or And of course, they, they, they have their own choice. I let them. But, uh, so you think it's okay to murder animals and to squeeze all the nutrients out of them for us to enjoy their suffering? Enjoy their suffering. I don't see it like that. If, How do you if see I, it? For example, if I see the cows at my at my current farm, they don't suffer. I don't see them suffer. The only the only thing I think is really hard is when they they get a cough. Uh, after a few days, the cough the cough is taken away from them. I think that part is pretty hard and rough. Maybe yeah, maybe that's, that's that's a bit of suffering, uh, but but no. Oh, on on this farm they they don't. Suffer. But as I as I told you, on, on some farms it's really not okay. Yeah. Do you think that? Uh, ruminants like cows and farming animals like cows is one of the biggest contributors to global warming. Um, I'm not sure about it. I don't know. I don't think so. But if I, if I look at the real, really big farms, and uh, the farms also import uh, a lot of they didn't they feed the cows with like soya. So yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think in that way it's it's really bad. And also, the, the, the emission from a lot of cows on on spot can be too bad. But I don't think it's the, the main problem. You get a little bit closer to the microphone to speak up. It's a little hard to hear you. Um, so, what do you think are some of the biggest? Contributors, what are the the biggest problems in regards to emissions? Uh, I think the well, industries and uh, fly 
flying. Mm -hmm. Airplanes. Yeah. Um, so you went to high school, you realized that you wanted to be involved with physical health and when you are, so I know that being a teacher in Europe is not like being a teacher in the United States. In the United States, we have a saying, I don't know if you've ever heard it, that if you can do it, you can do it. If you can't do it, go teach. Those that can do it, do it. Those that can't teach. And so it's a kind of a disparaging, it kind of is an insult towards teachers. Like teachers couldn't actually find something in their field so they go teach to kids instead. But I know in Europe, it's not like that. I know that educators are much more respected. And so I'm curious, as a physical education teacher, what kinds of things are you teaching? Well, uh, well I, as a physical education teacher, I uh, mostly teach on behavior. I don't really teach on on sports that they can throw a ball perfectly or they can run as fast as possible. No, I um, or not as, as fast maybe, yeah, but not as, as beautiful as possible. Mm. I, I I don't want to teach them the perfect technique. No, I I think it's more important uh, to teach. Their behaviors, with, uh, yeah. So, for example, how to behave uh, in a team, uh, how to how to behave uh, if you lose, uh, how to behave if you win, uh, how can you help someone, how can you listen. I think that are really, yeah. Those those things are way more important uh, life skills than throwing the ball. So in a sense, even more so than uh, a sports coach, you're almost like a psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. How old are the kids that you teach? Uh, between 12 and 16. Oh, that's, so that's, um, that's a mixture of our like middle school and kids going into high school, that can yeah. be a difficult age. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I like uh, I like it when, well, if, if they have it difficult, uh, you can probably help them a lot. Yeah. So it's pretty rewarding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes not at the moment itself, but, uh, for example, I... I quit my job last year uh, because I wanted to travel. Uh, that, yeah, that didn't happen. So uh, I came back at school. So they, some kids, they didn't see me for, for a year. Or, mm. um, and I came back. And some people, some, some kids, they came up to me. Oh, wow, you're back, you're back. And those were the kids I had the most issues made. So I, yeah, I have to be pretty rough sometimes and uh, have to tell them things and well, some pretty hot discussions and stuff. 
but those those kids they came back to me like wow you're back oh so nice and uh, I I hope I get you as a teacher again wow that's, yeah that's that's really cool and that's that's really a, a rewarding but it takes uh, a while <laughs> because so, on, the, on the moment itself they can, it can be really rough and thankful. So when you're having to be rough with your students, what does that look like? Um, yeah, well, mostly they they cross a border. I tell them, and I uh, I end up with in a in a discussion with them, or maybe I, I I try to present to end up in a discussion. But they like to discuss, and I like it too, and I can. Uh, I I I can do that quite good. I can say uh, I I don't get angry or something. I I want to I want arguments. And I get a proper discussion, but that drives their that drives some kids mad. <laughs> they they cannot sometimes they cannot really handle that, and then they get mad. They, they want you to get mad, and because you're not getting mad, they get more mad. Yes, that's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> that, that, and uh, you know, the, the rewarding part is, is afterwards when they realize, okay, this teacher is not getting mad at me, so that's actually nice. That yeah. Not get, uh, and he's very patient. So that's that's the rewarding part afterwards. <laughs> but uh, yeah. sometimes it it can be really rough, and then you have to just be calm, and let let them let them do. Yeah, to the thing, and sometimes they they call me names or or they they slam doors or whatever, and then yeah, I have to keep calm, and then afterwards I will talk to I'll talk to them when they are calm, and then they, it's all good. And if they if they're too mean to you, you just drag them out behind the school and you give them a couple smacks. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't imagine you'd do that. So in my research into sort of Dutch philosophy of well-being, I think um, people in Northern Europe, generally speaking, try to be more mindful than Americans about balancing work and personal life, life outside of work. I, and I came across this concept that's called Nixon. Have you ever heard of Nixon? I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask you if you knew what it was. Um, but it doesn't sound like you do. So. No. no. <laughs> um, are Dutch people just friendly versions of Germans? <laughs> no, I don't know. Germans are really friendly as well, but. Dutch people might be a little bit more open. Germans can be really close. Mm -hmm. Dutch, Dutch people can be really hard, uh, but open. And Germans can be quite close. When you say open and close, you mean like was accepting of new ideas or like socially friendly? Yeah, I think the last. Okay, so it can get it can be harder to get a German person to 
really express friendliness with you compared to a Dutch person? Well, I think for a long, longer time. I, I, I met a lot of Germans. They are really fun at the, at the first time. But if you want to get to know them, it's a bit hard. But it, I, I heard it's really hard as well with Dutch people. I don't know. I've always gotten along with Dutch people really well. And it's pretty easy. Um, so last year, last March, over a year ago, I did a little European trip and I love traveling in hostels. And twice I would have, I'd be at the hostel and maybe there's a bar at the hostel and having a drink and a German person hears me speaking American English or hears me being an American and he comes up to me and goes, and they said, both of them said something very similar. And this is two totally different times. And they say something like, how do you feel about all of your news being propaganda in America? All right. <laughs> I'm like, hi, my name's Al. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Germans can be, I, I think Germans are hilarious because, because they can be so reserved in many ways but then you start putting some beers in them and like, and they just start saying what they've been thinking. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, cool. uh, I, I've had some very fond memories with you, Maurice. Um, we spent a month together on the magic bus and then we spent about a month together in Dar, not Darwin. Yeah, it was Darwin. Um, and then I came and visited you in Amsterdam a couple times. And I even went out to your family farm and, and saw your family farm out there. So uh, I consider you a good friend, and I'm really glad that we could get in touch again. Yeah, definitely. And you're yeah. going to be traveling to Canada and then hopefully Mexico within the, yeah. the next year or so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we leave on the 27th of July, and then we will see, me and my girlfriend, we will see the... Uh, in July. Yeah, it's a month, basically. Yeah. I'm excited for you, man. But you don't want to come to the United States, huh? Uh, maybe. Maybe to visit you. <laughs> maybe skip it. <laughs> well, uh, when you get down to Mexico, let me know. I'll come visit you down in Mexico. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny, uh, I, I had here as the central question, what is the role of farming animals in the face of sustainability? And, and that was the thing that you brought up really on in the conversation with the, uh, the current events of the farming regulations. Yeah. So you think we should farm, you think we should farm animals? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And, uh, because, because we have, on this world we have a lot of people to feed, and of course we can we can feed uh, people plants, but uh, we need we need animals to feed people plants as well, because animals are really important for maintaining plants. Yeah, also their shit is really important. Uh, yeah, plants have to have to grow from something. It's not only sunlight and water. And 
people forget it sometimes. But I, I agree that we don't have to we don't have to eat meat. Uh, yeah, I, I I think we can yeah we can eat more vegetables or more plants. But we really need the the, the animals to to do that in the right in the right way. And I think if we need the animals and the animals, well, for example, expire. They die as well at one point. Uh, why not use them as food as well? So don't waste the, 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 the part of the animal that we can also eat. So I don't think we should we should uh, have chickens uh, for, uh, for 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 month old chickens that we yeah, only have for eating. No. You can uh, you can have you can have chickens uh, get their eggs uh, yeah use them to to get uh, uh, say it like those little animals in the garden they are not good for the uh, yeah pests insects yeah insects yeah you can you can get them your insects in your garden for example and then if they if they are about to die you kill them. So it, it, I think I think we need to think about uh, ways for animals to be better. I mean, that's not, fair. Not not, not use we, we we need them. So having a a beneficial relationship with the animals, where we're not just taking things from them and using them for our own purposes, but having making sure that they live in a way that is is the best way that they can live and the yeah. best way that we can live yeah that makes sense yeah. cool man well i i uh, thank you for coming on i um I'm, i i didn't know that the, the farmers had sort of done a protest with the tractors in the streets i thought that was a really interesting point and um I'd like to have you back on some other time. Maybe you can give us some updates from the road, or maybe you'll go back to the Netherlands one day and you can give us some more current events. All right. Yeah, that was fun. Cool. Well, uh, Maurice, thank you for joining us on the Entitled Opinion Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. That was cool. All right. That's all for now. Thanks, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And it was not the best audio quality on this episode. So if you listened all the way through, much appreciation. If you have any opinions of your own about the conversation topics today, you can answer our poll or our free form question in Spotify itself. A call to action there for you. Or you can reach out to us directly on our email, which is entitledopinionpodcast at gmail.com. Did I say that quickly enough? Maybe I should say it quicker. Uh, we also have Instagram. Our handle is Entitled Opinion Pod, where you can DM us. And we have a website, EntitledOpinion.com. Are you noticing a theme? That is it for today, folks. So go grab your tractor and protest in the streets like a true punk rock farmer. All right, bye.